0: It's Tuesday, July 13, 2021. I'm Ash Bennington. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Here's some of the stories we're looking at. CPIU, Consumer Price Index for All Urban Consumers, is up a red-hot, unadjusted 5.4% year-over-year. That's 0.9% for June. Uh, Is it low base effect? Is it transitory? We dig in to find out. U.S. equity markets shrugged off this morning's CPI data up at record highs, then cooled down in the afternoon. There's a 30-year bond auction to talk about in there. Looks like the S&P is still bouncing around a little, uh, but settling down looks like 4,369 off about 0.35% on the day after lots of strum and drang. Uh, finally, it's earnings season The estimates look blistering. Q2, 21 earnings growth rate uh, for the S&P 500, 64% based on estimates from FactSet. If they match or beat those numbers, it will be the hottest quarter since Q4, 2009. Here to talk it all over with us once again, Tommy Thornton. Tom, welcome back.
1: Ash, great to uh, be back. Um,
0: Love coming uh, on the daily briefing on Tuesdays. Well, it's It's always a pleasure to have you here. We were talking a little bit off camera, lots of stuff happening in this market. It seems like a Tuesday is always a busy day. What are you looking about? How are you contextualizing all of this information?
1: Well, we had a few different dramas happen today. Uh, We had the, first of all, the CPI came out. And I was thinking this was my thesis going into it today. And it sort of partially worked. Uh, I, I bought some banks. i I figured, you know what? I, I don't I don't have I don't like the way the charts necessarily look, but I felt like there was enough evidence that they could push a little higher for trades. CPI came out, and their the, the earnings were fine. Goldman and JP Morgan. they were fine. There was some squishy thing. Lending still kind of, uh, but CPI came out. It was just a ripping hot number, and it reversed everything in the markets. And then, the bond market didn't get the the cpi numbers it just it ignored it it i mean it was like they you didn't notice but the the front end of the curve uh, the curve uh the rates went up and then the back end uh
0: long long end uh went down a little and then what are the what are the maturity points you're looking at for that tommy where on the curve are you looking
1: well the the two and fives were uh the rates were up and then the ten and thirties were were down, and you know the narrative of this market of late has been low rates helping big cap tech and speculative type ideas, and that was totally true today. And I, and I also shorted some tech yesterday, so my whole narrative was we're going to have a you know growth type reversion, rates would go up, uh, financials would be okay and tech would sell off. Now, I kind of bailed out here because the 30-year auction was just atrocious and it was just just a nightmare. But before we get into that, I just wanna say that uh, one of the things that's been happening over the last several weeks, and there's a lot of people um, like Jason at Sentiment Trader and um, Andrew Thrasher, a really good technician, We've all been seeing these divergences that are starting to happen in the market, and it's fewer new highs in the market. I mean, we hit new highs um, in the S&P today, and there were only 40 new highs in the out of the 500. And you're seeing fewer stocks above the 10-day moving average, fewer stocks above the 50-day moving average, and that's a bit of a divergence. You don't necessarily want to see that type of action when you're hitting all-time highs. Then so, the
0: so, bre- so basically, day, oh, just to contextualize this for people. So what we're talking about is stocks near uh, at or near record highs all time. And yet you have fewer and fewer stocks participating uh, in this updraft. In other words, fewer and fewer stocks are reaching their 52 week highs uh, as we're at all time highs in the market.
1: Yeah. And we've had this. This has been happening for a while. And a lot of people have put out the, the chart of the top eight stocks that have done all the work in the last three months. And, and that's absolutely true. You've had this, you know, the mega cap stocks that, that have their runs at times. And, and if you go back 10 years and you run the data uh, on Bloomberg, if you run NDX, Index, MOV, and then change the dates, you can see the attribution of those top five stocks, the, the Apples, Amazons microsoft google and i forgot the last one google microsoft facebook, facebook. bingo two letters it, it, it screwed me up anyway the um the point is that we've had this uh the 30-year bond was a the, the auction was terrible and from my people that i talked to all day they once said look i think that the dealers were were they get they gave them about a billion and a billion and billion one maybe a little bit more that they had to swallow and that was a lot more than the previous month so but that's let's, why let's the, explain the, that the, a little our, bit for our people. yields went up go on
0: yeah yeah I was just going to say let's explain that a little bit for people uh, who don't know the bond markets they're bidding uh, at a fixed percentage and then their allocation gets determined so they have to swallow a greater allocation based on their bid uh, when the numbers move
1: so here's the the 30s came in at 2%, and that was, I think, a little higher. And the tail bid of 2.4 basis points, the dealers took 22% versus 19%, the 2021 average. The Indirects take 61% versus the 62% average. Directs take 17% versus the 19. So it's really, bid cover was 2.19 times versus 2.32, the 20 21 average. It's really the dealers that, that were puking it today. And that's generally what they do. They'll, they'll, they'll participate in the bond auctions and then, you know, do something with it immediately right after because they don't want it on their balance sheets. That's kind of what they do. They just create liquidity with it. So that was a surprise. It also it sent the tech stocks down quickly. And so that whole reversion that I was hoping for with tech stocks going down it worked, uh, rates went up, it worked. And I'm, I, last week I shorted bonds. I didn't have a lot of people that thought that was a really smart idea, uh, but I've been noticing on the daily sentiment index, uh, the equity, bonds and crude, three very important macro markets the bullish sentiment has been over 80% bulls and that this is a daily poll that that we we track and i've rarely seen stocks bonds and crude all above 80% and i put out a note last week saying something's got to give and i think that it's going to i mean we could have a lot of things that give uh it could be all three that that start to sell off and you know you have a bond market selling off and a stock market selling off that's a, a rather scary proposition for a lot of people, so I think it's, um, yeah, it's a stretched market. We you know, I've seen a lot I mean a lot of DeMark signals in the NASDAQ for the last two weeks, and that's been really, really painful because they just haven't turned. And maybe today was the first day, but I've had these one-hit wonder days,
0: and it's
1: just it's very, very persistent.
0: Let me just backfill a little bit here for people who aren't as familiar with the bond markets as you are, uh, Tommy. What we're talking about here is uh, U.S. Treasury today had a 30-year bond auction, $24 billion. Uh, they take the bids in. Uh, obviously, demand is weakening higher than expected yields. What we saw here is a jump uh, on the 30-year yield uh, from approximately, I guess we were at around 197 basis points. And it dropped, jumped up uh, to looks like about... Uh, Two spot zero five on the 30. So rising yield, weakening price, lower than expected demand. Uh, and as you uh, described, then more liquidity hitting the market from the primary dealers.
1: Yeah, one way to uh, participate in that is you can short the TLT. I think that's a fairly easy way to do it uh, if you don't trade uh, bond futures. Uh, but I, I think there's still more downside
0: uh, that's the, possible uh, there. That's the iShares 20 plus year bond. plus, uh, yeah
1: i like the i like that one more than the 10-year which is the i have on my other screen hello 10-year is the not lqd live tv um, <laughs> ief thank you thank you uh brain so that's um I, I like the the i like shorting the long end of the curve better right now i think it's uh we could have something really significant and the other thing is the dollar went up today and that was something that um, you know that's been something i've somewhat expected and it's up a lot i mean this was a big move for the dollar today and i think that there's the possibility if we can break through 93 on dxy more importantly 94 uh, we can see a real risk off move um because I think there's so many people that have had this, we're going to be in a giant inflation problem, the Fed's printing money, and they've just positioned themselves that the dollar is going to go to 70, and, or the dollar index is going to go to 70 from 90. And yeah, maybe, but it hasn't happened. And I think that those people are really finding it difficult. So let's talk about the CPI.
0: Looks like we're at. By the way, I should say ninety-two spot seven nine on DXY U.S. dollar index, uh, up uh, a bit here on the day. Looks like um, looks like starting out around ninety-two. So uh, you know, reasonable move there, about fifty basis points in DXY. Yeah.
1: So a couple things um, about the the CPI, and the market is fully on board with the transitory Fed rhetoric of that's their their thing, and and. I I think that there, I'm a little bit more in the middle, but I I think that this is very compelling of what we saw today. So in this CPI, it showed about 55% of the month-over-month increase came from six components, used cars, rental cars, vehicle insurance, lodging, airfares, and food away from home. And that's up from 52% from the last month. And if you include energy prices it goes up to 66 percent now let's take that let's a lot of people are saying well we're not going to see used car prices going up like this forever but i don't see really any sign of it abating because we have this chip shortage and it's been very very difficult for car dealers to you know produce new cars and and we've already had ford and a couple others uh, give some concerning um guidance Used cars, rental cars, okay, rental cars this is all the reopening. everybody's dying to get out there. It's been really hard to get a rental car and there's there's fewer rental cars out there also because you had a lot of rental car sales uh, into the higher uh, demand for used cars and Hertz is you know still a messy company, and they you know that's that's difficult there's a great car um service that i Use called silver car have you ever used it i have not they they rent the audi owns them and they only rent like silver audis like the a4 and they're it's great it's really really good service and it's not very expensive but they just closed in la and i was going to la i was like wait where are you so let me point uh, out
0: we're talking about this. You're talking about energy. I'm looking at the charts here on BLS. This is the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's reports uh, CPI. And I'm looking at the 12-month percent change uh, on consumer price index. And it's so interesting that we were talking about this X food and energy. Uh, 12-month change on uh, food is 2.4%. We've been talking about food prices rising. But it's really energy up 24.5% uh, year over year. So 10x the push on food. And then when you look at that, Ah, uh, X food and energy, total four point five percent, twelve month year-over-year year change.
1: Yeah, the, the for some reason I don't think that the, the the data really collects the true cost of food increases. And one one thing that I, I think is also happening, and I've talked to a few suppliers of food and also a lumberyard recently, they have had to buy a lot of product a lot of uh, inventory and they had to pay up for these high prices they're not lowering their prices like lumber prices are cut in half now or more and corn's been down wheat's been down and as you remember i was really i i I shorted wheat i shorted corn i shorted soybeans at the highs and i've covered them and they were good trades but there's they're keeping prices high at the retail level because yeah. they have to work that off. And that's not going to come down for a while or you know, maybe all the way back uh, forever.
0: But and aren't that, those I- numbers always sticky upward? My mother, Tommy, who follows you on Twitter, is not a markets person, but she's an incredibly savvy shopper and always points out that whenever you hear something uh, going up in price because of input cost increases, they never come down when those input cost increases decrease.
1: And then it's the shrinking. They shrink the right. the wrappers uh, and the size of your candy bars and everything else. Right. You know, you get like a yogurt, and it used to be you know 12 ounces, and now it's six, and it's the same price. And you know they're they're smart, and people will still buy it, and it, it doesn't really matter. But I think that the those six things they will come back down in the coming months. And I think also as as we go through the summer, you're still gonna have rental car demand. You're still gonna have used cars that are still gonna be bought and at high prices. And if you go and you look at some of the used car sites, it's it's ridiculous how expensive they are. And on the collectible side of used cars, and I'm a big car person. So if anybody goes to bringatrailer.com, it's like one of the most well-known used car For cool, classic cars or very nice, you know, Porsches and Mercedes and really fabulous cars, but they have about 300 cars at a time on auction. And the prices for used Porsches and Mercedes and others, it's obscene. It's just, it's gotten carried away. So people are just buying like crazy, similar to the way they're buying. Uh, stocks in, in the market. I think it's just, it's, it's gotten nuts.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's a question, though, about the sort of transitoriness of this, right? And that is not just with inflation, but also all kinds of consumer goods, all kinds of things like uh, used cars. Everybody obviously wants to jump in a car, go down to the beach, go down to the shore, get the hell out of wherever they spent the last 14 months or so. But is that mm-hmm. something that's a durable trend, or is that something that is just a, you know, a, a, a strict function of this reopening trade? And does it back off? And how do you price it?
1: Well, you're already seeing a lot of the reopening, we've talked about it, the reopening trade stocks, the airlines, the travel sites, the uh, hotels, casinos, those have already faded well off the highs. And perhaps you're going to see another bounce with those as they start to report. I think people are already starting to price in that they will peak, but you have something like Trip, TripAdvisor, and that was in the, like, almost $60, and now it's just under $40. I, I kind of like that as an idea uh, to you know, look at buying, and, and we talked about it. It was up 50% over the high of where it was pre-COVID, so it's come down off of those crazy highs. But I still think that they're going to have great numbers. I think all these, these sites are going to have great numbers. The guidance is going to be a little, you know, difficult to absorb if, if, it, if they do see a fall off.
0: Yeah. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and ads. Go to Lipsonads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-ads.com. Tommy, one of the things that you talk about that I find really intriguing is the growth to value ratio uh, with DeMarc signals. Tell us what that's telling you right now and why it's significant.
1: So sometimes I find charts that are out of the ordinary and I find ways of creating ratios of different things. And I get accused on Twitter quite often of chart crimes, but quite frankly, I've done this long enough to know and I've used Demark indicators, which are a trend exhaustion indicator. So when you have a, a red 13, just for example, or green nine, and we can get into it more at another time. But when you start to see those things happen at certain inflection points, especially after a big move, it's kind of telling you something. So we've had since it was last august that the growth trade started to fade and the value stocks started to come on board and then you, it was the energy the financials uh materials did exceptionally well and it was all the re, they were pricing in the reopening in my opinion and then it stopped and we had this that you know that that stopped recently and i think it was also due to the rates coming down but now I, I'm I'm getting demark exhaustion signals for the growth side of it versus the value side. So I'm more interested in looking at the possibility that the growthier names are going to revert, and the value names and sectors will start to come on board and and work. Uh, it may not. I mean, everything in the market is very very overbought, but on the indices I should say. So. The risk is not necessarily saying, let's go, you know, lever up, you know, 3x on energy stocks here or financials, but let's just start trading some of those as, as, as a ratio trade against some of the growthier stuff. And again, we have a bunch of DeMarc exhaustion signals on NASDAQ stuff. And, you know, one of the things when you see those signals, the rule of thumb is that you should see some response on the other side within 12 days. And we've seen them. Some of the moves aren't necessarily, you know, they're not gonna be 1987 crash type scenarios. And that's unrealistic for a lot of people to think that, but you can get a four or 5% pullback. And if you're in a buy the dip type market, that can, those can work real well.
0: Yeah. Thomas, we come up here on the 20 minute mark. I wanted to uh, throw to a clip. Uh, This is Jack Farley. Ah, uh, to to today actually uh, on our investment ideas show on the essential tier for Real Vision, I thought this was an incredibly interesting piece. Uh, we have Jack talking with Ch- Chase Taylor uh, of Pinecone Investments, uh, talking about whether fossil fuels are profitable in the age of ESG. Uh, let's take a look at the clip.
1: When it comes to oil, I mean, at the end of the day, this is supply and demand story. For me, the last. I mean, it, to me, it's been more of a demand story because that's that's where everyone's getting it wrong or has been getting it wrong for the last year or two. I think we are sort of hitting a kind of a peak a green bubble, ESG bubble type of a scenario where I think people are extrapolating a little too too much and not doing enough work on like the underlying here. So at the end of the day, we need to use oil. We need to use fossil fuels for a lot a lot longer.
0: So there you have it, Chase Taylor with a counter-narrative, uh, seeing an ESG bubble, uh, strength in oil. Uh, he goes on to make the bull case uh, for, the con- for the rise of oil in the context of Southeast Asian development. Interesting stuff now available on the essential tier. Tommy, what were you just saying before we came back from break? Well,
1: I, I want to mention one thing about the, the rise in oil prices we talked about this we talked about it last october and when we were starting to realize that biden was going to win one of his things is uh mandates was to you know really put a clamp on oil drilling uh for the environment and that is absolutely the most bullish thing you could absolutely ever hear uh the president say it's the counter to the to what trump said because he wanted to drill 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 and he did and prices went down. So I knew that that was going to be a really bullish uh, event of what was going to happen. Uh, some of the ESG stuff with, with Tesla batteries and electric vehicles, it's still, little, it's still early with the true adoption of electric vehicles. Uh, with I'm not just saying with the, you know, the first adopters with Tesla, and there's a lot of them, but I think with the people that are going to buy just the more basic uh, Fords, Kias, the, the, the Toyotas and others, the, the, in, in Europe especially, the Volkswagens, just for having a nice car and not necessarily having a real hot rod. So I think that it's, it, we're, we're getting there. So I look, I, I think energy market's going to stay with us. Uh, there's a lot of things that we use for petroleum that we can't live without, regardless of using it for
0: transportation. Tommy, looks like we've got about two pages of questions that have come in. Only a few minutes left here. What do you say? You want to do a speed round, see if we can get a couple of these answered?
1: Yeah, no math. I was told no math on this
0: one. <laughs> no math on the pop quiz. Uh, this one comes to us from Mark. If the, mar- if the market can brush off a large uh, CPI like this, what else is already priced in?
1: Well, I think we could probably price in nuclear war for no, I know this market is so resilient. Uh, <laughs> it it bounces back on every little you know negative headline or something bad happening. You know the problem that's going that will happen in this market is we're just going to run out of buyers. We're just going to run out and it's going to be exhausted. And it could be some you know big cap tech stocks that start to have margin pressure or exhibit some slowness. Uh, you know, we've already seen, around the, the, the tech sector, that uh, PC sales are starting to slow a little bit. They're starting to peak. NVIDIA's chips, are their chipsets for uh, graphic boards are starting to become more available and they're not jacking up the prices on those. So, you know, we could start to see that type of action, uh, put a bit
0: of a, a peak in the market. So keep going. Let's go. Okay, here we go. Here's one from James. This is a really interesting question. Tom, what's an acceptable max drawdown for you on a monthly basis for your personal account? Uh, And what was acceptable when you used to work at a hedge fund? So this is kind of a bigger picture question. How do you think about that? When do you start to trim losses?
1: Well, I'm very diversified. That's the most important thing. I'm always long short. And if my longs aren't working, my shorts are working. Um, Sometimes you have to just prune them as the flowers bloom uh, and take profits when you can my max down downdrafts um i've been personally down 20 30 percent that that was quite a while ago uh, in my head with the hedge fund we were really really steady and i think our biggest drawdown was something like six percent in a month and that was we got caught out in some Catalyst, the stock that, that went against us, and we had a big position. It was just really, you know, unfortunate. But we, you know, we came back. It wasn't that bad. But yeah, I don't like to take. I I limit my losses pretty
0: quickly now. Yeah, here's a question that I know the answer to, Tom, because of something that you said to me just before it went on the air. Uh, the question is: Does Thomas do any options, or does he only trade physical stock?
1: I I I trade a lot of options, and I trade futures and physical stock and anything I can. Um, But I I do trade a lot of options. I trade a lot of options around my positions. So one of the things that I will do if I'm short XYZ and I, I shorted it, it's at $30 and I shorted it at 35, I may sell puts against it at the 25s and just try and collect income. If it does go down, I'm out of it. And with a nice profit so i'll trade around both longs and shorts um, that's what i what i do all the time and i trade put spreads on tesla probably every single day
0: yeah here's a related
1: sometimes call spreads too don't tell anybody
0: <laughs> well <laughs> you tell safe.
1: the tesla people
0: <laughs> your secret is safe with us uh here's one that comes to us very similar question actually to the max drawdown question uh what is the, the maximum position size you would allocate with your capital 10% higher or lower? I usually
1: try to stay within 15% on a, uh, within a sector. Uh, within, um, I, I usually will start with a 1% size position and I can run it up to 5%. And I will average down if I'm wrong, if I still feel confidence in what I'm doing. Everybody always has that, oh, don't ever average down. Well, I do, and I keep it within range. And if it still doesn't work, I'll exit the position and it's not going to necessarily change my life, my month um, of performance. It's it's just that's just my personal
0: style. Yeah. Here's one from screen name Golan Heights. Is Tom still short wheat? It's keeping me up at night.
1: No, I covered it. I covered I covered wheat. And um, I made that really clear a couple of times a little further back on the Real Vision daily briefing. And I, I put it out on my site, uh, everything is on there. So yes, I covered it. Um, I'd like to
0: you know, reshort
1: it if it, if it does bounce
0: a little bit more. Mm. Uh, here's one uh, from Ralph Humphrey, another soft commodities question. Uh, does Tom still have an opinion on coffee prices?
1: Well, there's been a lot of talk on coffee uh, of the Brazilian drought and coffee prices have, have not uh, increased. Since that, and i I think that we've seen the peak in coffee for this run, but I did get coffee at a good good price earlier on and ran it up and it was it was great if anyone has never traded coffee futures and they need excitement in their life, coffee futures exceptionally fun i jared dillian true story he's going to like kill me for saying this, but he bought a new corvette, okay just it's like you know and, and his license plate is dirt nap because his his uh letter is the daily dirt daily nap dirt map, yeah. but he he's he hit me up and he goes dude i just made so much money trading your coffee long and i'm like okay that's great you know send me my percentage but he i think he bought that corvette with my um coffee trade so <laughs> cheers to jared he's a great guy
0: here's a great question to end on it comes to us from richard m Any risks when J.P., is talking about J. Powell, uh, starts to talk later in the week?
1: He starts tomorrow
0: and Thursday. He
1: speaks in front of Congress. It used to be called the Humphrey Hawkins testimony, I believe. Yep. And, you know, I I think he's going to stick to script. That would be the most logical thing. But if he does sort of say something a little bit hawkish, I can't say the word because that scares everybody, But it it, it could be something to watch. And I I honestly think that he should, because if he can just deflate, not pop the bubble in some of the more extreme areas in the market, I think that would be a smart thing to do. And just sort of keep everything rotating. takes pressure off of him. Um, I think it would would be the right thing to do for him. But nothing's going to be done, in my opinion, until
0: Jackson Hole uh, next month. Yeah. Talking of sticking to script, Tom, we're at about 4:30 here. Final thoughts, final takeaways for the audience. I,
1: I think that right now we're at a very important area where we have stocks, bonds, and crude all at very elevated sentiment. You have the market is fully invested right now. If you look at the chart of the last 10 years of inflows versus the first half of this year, uh, the first half of this year is a lot more. So if those people those people start to go underwater this year, I think it could get a little deeper out there. So I'm really cautious right now. I want to see how earnings are. There are places to buy. I did buy some financials. I'm down a little. But I feel OK. There are trades. I think we'll see better action throughout the week. So that's it right now. I'm I'm really cautious. I want to see a pullback that's actually meaningful to get in there and buy some stuff.
0: Tom Thornton, you know this is always one of my favorite shows of the month. Uh, same. Love hanging out with you. Thanks for joining us, and thank you for watching, everyone.